It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. It's Friday night, and I'm sitting in a rocking chair in my closet-sized spare bedroom. Life is perfect because I get to talk with you. Rangers lead the Bruins 2-0 early in the second period. A young man by the name of Ryan Strom has his sixth of the season. Kings and Wild just underway, no score. And at 7 o'clock, it's the Avalanche and the Coyotes. The Raptors trail Houston 31-28 with seven seconds left in the first quarter. The Raptors, without head coach Nick Nurse and five other members of his staff, they are out because of COVID-19 health and safety protocols. Pascal Siakam also out of this game because of the same protocols. So Sergio Scariolo, who is one of the Raptors' assistant coaches, he's a 59-year-old Italian who joined the Raptors staff in July of 2018. He's very experienced, more than 30 years as a coach, but he is running the Raptors' bench tonight. So we'll see how he does there. The Oilers will take on the Toronto Maple Leafs tomorrow night. You may have heard of that other club. And that is on 6.30 chat, of course, with a 3.30 face-off show, and the game will start at 5. That is two of the top three teams in the North Division in the NHL this season. If you want to go by points, you got Toronto with 32, you got Edmonton with 28, Winnipeg sitting with 25. If you go by points percentage, you have Toronto, 762, and then Winnipeg just ahead of Edmonton, 658 to 636 would be the Jets' advantage. The Jets do have three games in hand on the Oilers, which is why the points percentage gives them a little bit of an advantage. Uh, the Oilers have won five in a row. They have won 11 of their last 13. They are all of a sudden looking very, very good after a 3-6 and six start to the year. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Hope your weekend is off to a great start. My name is Reed Wilkins. If you want to get in touch, no problem. It is easy to do so. You can use the CertainTeed hotline, 780-496-0063. CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials, pro all the way. That's also the number to text, you can get me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R E I D W I L K I N S, and you can email inside sports at 630ched.com. I actually got an email from somebody a couple of days ago who said, Reed, you said James Wilder Jr. from the AA football team was on your show, and I'm looking through the podcast and I can't find it. Well, that's not on that emailer. Unfortunately, uh, we were not able to connect with Mr. Wilder Jr. the night he was supposed to do the interview. So that's one hopefully we can bring you down the road. I will tell you tonight, Ryan King is cup coming up for a little double E football content. We'll talk to Tim Adams, the founder and director of Free Play for Kids. You've heard Tim on this show before doing uh, such great work in the community to keep kids involved in sports, get them involved in sports, give them a place to, uh, you know, be active and uh, to be social and all those important things. So he's going to check in tonight. And between 6.30 and 7, Dominic Cahoon will be on the show. Edmonton Oilers forward who got a couple big goals against the Canucks earlier this week. We'll uh, talk about what's going on with him and the Oilers right now. And we'll flash back to three years ago 
It was uh, February 25th, 2018. He won a silver medal as the member of the German as a member of the German hockey team at the Olympics. You may remember that German team. They went on this kind of Cinderella run through that tournament, which was a little more unpredictable without NHL athletes involved. They uh, only won one game in a shootout out of their three preliminary games. Then they beat Switzerland in overtime. They beat Sweden in overtime. Then they got by Canada by a goal. And they were uh, a couple minutes away from winning the gold medal before, well, it wasn't, technically it wasn't called Russia. It was the Olympic athletes from Russia tied it up late and then eventually won the game in overtime, but still a pretty incredible memory. So Cahoon's going to fill us in on that. Now, as for the current edition of the Oilers, a lot of things going right lately goaltending top of the list they're getting contributions throughout the lineup offense for some depth players uh players coming in coming out filling in for injured players or you know ethan bear coming back last night and be able to work hard and do well they're able to recover from tough parts of the game tuesday in vancouver down three nil come back and win yesterday pretty badly outplayed in the second half of the second period smith made the saves and then they got it back on the rails in the third period protected the lead expanded the lead and in fact only allowed four shots on goal against in the third period so a lot of things are looking really really good for the edmonton oilers and the power play i I do want to circle back to this because this has kind of been an ongoing theme for me because i am the uh i am the one idiot i am the lone pine in the field I am the, uh, I don't know what else. I'm the fly in the ointment, whatever you want to say, who said the Oilers' power play is going to be as good or better than last year. It's not quite there percentage-wise, but I, I think it has a chance. Here's what's happened with the power play this season. They, they started the year with that 3-6 and six record, and the power play in those nine games was 20%. You know, not bad to have a 20% power play, but well below the Oilers' expectations. And Tyson Berry, quite frankly, wasn't looking that great on the man advantage. And then it started to pick up, and Berry's playing better. Tyson, uh, Darnell Nurse is getting some time on the power play. So over the last 13 games, when the Oilers have gone on this incredible run, the power play is at 32.6%. 32.6%. Over the last 13 games and some big goals along the way. They were two for five on the power play last night. And what's interesting is you've seen on the power play, usually Tyson Berry is the guy on the point, but sometimes Darnell Nurse is out there to start the power play, not just cycled in near the end. He is out there to start the power play. That's what happened when they had that nice passing play to lead to McDavid's tying goal on Tuesday. So Glenn Gullitson gave Dave Tippett a day off today and did the coach's end of the media availability. And I asked Gullitson, how do you decide who's going to go out there and start the power play? It's basically this. is We're probably going to roll out two-thirds of the time we're going to roll out Tyson. And uh, one-third of the time we're going to roll out uh Doc, that's kind of the initial plan. But then game to game, that that can change a little bit because there are different looks that a lefty provides that power play up top. Uh, there's different options that he, that he provides. Um, so when you're playing these little mini series, it, it's good to have another option. So it's like a leather, little tool in your tool belt so that you're not as predictable because teams, you know, do such a good job pre-scouting from one night to the next that, uh, you know, our game plan going into the season right from training camp was to have Doc uh, involved in the power play because for, for that reason, we, we knew there's these little uh, mini sets, uh, little type of mini playoffs, and we didn't want teams to, uh, 
you know, um, we wanted to be a little bit unpredictable when, when we played them. So um, that's really the thought process that goes in. If we see something that uh, is, is more conducive to the lefty up top there, we'll, we'll, we'll put Doc in. So that was interesting that that was a plan all along that Darnell Nurse was going to get about a third of the looks on the point on the first power play unit and you know something the Oilers haven't had in a while different options now Darnell Nurse hadn't been great on the power play when he'd had to fill in for Oscar Kleffbaum in the past but Gullison explaining they wanted that different look. They wanted the left shot, right lock look, and it, clearly they're anticipating, okay, we're going to play a lot of teams, double headers, two games in a row, sometimes even three games in a row, like coming up against Toronto. So not only are they going to be pre-scouting us against other opponents, they're going to have the advantage of seeing us one night and then playing us again a day or two later. So the Oilers wanted to mix Nurse in on the power play, and Darnell says, look, I'm happy to contribute on the power play however I can. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm just there if, uh, if they want to get give a different look. So um, I, I try to stay ready. Obviously, uh, the uh, power play unit is is, is very lethal, uh, especially when, when Tice is up there running and if they need me to to step in. And I feel like I'm, I'm very confident in my ability to to play up there and and uh, contribute. So I think it's it's probably pretty nice that they're able to to look back and you have a couple options, just like uh, we have a couple options for in that front guy. That is Darnell Nurse, who also mentioned the net front guy. And the net front guy, guys, responsible for the two power play goals last night. Alex Chason, the spin shot, fires it in off the post. Jesse Pugliarvi gets the rebound. There was one thing, and when things were going wrong earlier in the season, we talked about a lot of things that the Oilers could change. Should they put Nugent Hopkins, dry settle Yamamoto together? Should they take Barry off the power play altogether? Should they take Adam Larson out of the lineup? Should they give Stuart Skinner a start in net? All those kind of things. And as they, as we discussed all those things, there was one thing I heard at times that I didn't think they should do, and that was to take Alex Chason off the power play. Because I do think he has a lot of value there as a net front presence. Now, they are cycling in other players. So I asked Gulletson today about Chase on in front of the net. And is Pugliarvi learning from him? Yeah, I, I think we've got some real good things going on here. Um, Chaser, Chaser's played that role, obviously, for for three seasons now here in, in uh, this is going into the third in, in Edmonton. And he, uh, you know, I've had him at a couple stops in, in Dallas and Calgary and what he's very good at. He's very good around the net. He's very good around little plays. He's uh, you know, you see on a lot of those goals, he's in the goalie's eyes. Um, he's real can make some plays in tight spaces. You saw the little goal last night. Um, and then, you know, what we've been doing with Jesse is, um, you know, Jesse's kind of been learning a little bit, watching some video and, and, and taking a look at the power play. And, you know, if we can, um, we can get in, him in there and, and get him some reps too and, and improve his game around the net, um, you know, we're developing, uh, you know, another good player there. So a uh, second unit doesn't get much ice time, so we don't have a lot of time to do that there. So giving him spot duty here and there is, is something that's going to help him develop. All right. So part of the plan there as well, Ch- Chason does a lot of good things down low. I, I, I know there, there were times earlier in the season, all right, you know, he didn't cash in a chance, puck rolled off his stick or whatever, but he makes good plays and he actually screens the goaltender. 
He's the he's the best the Oilers have at screening the goaltender, and he might be the best the Oilers have had in the last five to ten years at screening a goaltender. Quite frankly, Darnell Nurse also talked on those two guys in front of the net. Yeah, Chaser. I mean, he's he's like a magnet to the puck in front of the net, um, and and when the puck gets down there, he, he battles and and competes for it, and you know he's got a hunger to put the the puck in the back of the net. So that's. Uh, you know, it's it's always fun to see when even playing five on five when you get one down there you know chasers down there you know he's gonna work and, and do everything he can to get get into the net so uh, and then and then to see Jesse step in I think <clears throat> this year has just been has been fun to see Jesse just kind of play his game and have fun and, um, you know and enjoy it and he's he's been making the most of his opportunity so uh, you know he's a big body down there in front and loves to score goals too I think he's got some of the some of the best facial expressions when he puts the puck in the back of the net. So it's just fun to see, and hopefully we see a lot more. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Darnell Nurse commenting what uh, a lot of you comment on Puliyarvi's reaction when he scores a goal, or sometimes it's just sitting on the bench listening to Dave Tippett talk to a referee. I saw that video going around a couple of weeks ago. The enthusiastic player who's really coming along, and uh, you heard it there, what, what he's learning to do in front of the net and what hopefully he can learn from Alex Chason. By the way, a couple of people have uh, written in uh, double-checking. Yes, Darnell Nurse is Doc. If you hear a coach or a player talking about Doc on the Edmonton Oilers, that is uh, Darnell Nurse's nickname. But you know how it works with hockey nicknames. Your nurse, nursey, Doc, that's how it goes. We found out a few days ago from Leon Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins is is, is nuggy. So there, there's a little look behind the scenes. It is 619-780-496-0063 if you want to get in touch. Inside Sports on Chet. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Edmonton Oil Kings, their season starts tonight, 7 o'clock at the downtown community arena, taking on the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Uh, Hopefully this goes without saying, don't try to go to the game. There are no fans allowed. I I feel like I'm saying the name of the arena uh, as like a reminder that if you're going, they're not going to be in Rogers Place. But you you cannot go. Uh, But we will keep you updated once that game faces off. I got a message today from a follower on Twitter. Because the other night I started talking about, I don't remember how I got into it, but the some of the the Leafs coverage and the the Matthews talk, and uh, uh, you know, is there enough talk about the Oilers, another team from the national networks, the national publications? So uh, a gentleman who goes by the uh, name Baden on Twitter, maybe he's even listening right now because he was referencing something I was talking about. I guess it would have been Wednesday. Yeah, he said, I heard you talk about how there's no real Eastern bias in the media the other day. TSN.ca on the NHL tab, here's the order of stories. Toronto, Detroit, Buffalo, on and on he goes. And uh, the Oilers were the, according to what he, the research he did, were the 17th story on the NHL tab on TSN.ca. Uh, so I actually wrote back to him and I, I said, well, look, I, I, I don't think that... Uh, I actually think I was explaining why some teams get more coverage than others, not necessarily saying that there isn't uh, an Eastern bias. My point is, is that if you're a national network and you look at your audience and you say about a third of our audience is in an area that probably cheers for the Toronto Maple Leafs, that might skew the coverage. Now, I will say this. I think there are times that a great story should trump uh the the regionalism or 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 who you think that is of of most interest to your audience and i think and to me that's really the 
problem in this country is that so many people live in Southern Ontario. And then quite frankly, you know, Montreal is a huge city. And then a lot of people live in the lower mainland of BC, right? I mean, those are the three biggest cities with the most concentrated population. But I I do take Baden's point to heart that I, I do think sometimes you would like to see the national network to say, okay, we have a bigger story than just always going with Leafs highlights first or the Leafs story at the top. I, I do think they do that at times. Do do they do it as much as maybe I would like? I would say probably not. Having said that, I, I'm also of the attitude, that's their thing. I have my own show to do. And given that I, I know the region I'm in and I know the teams and the stories that people like the most. So if you're not getting that nationally, I, I think you can get it here. But I, I do think we have to recognize that 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 is that is the audience. Uh, I mean that that is uh, look if you if you were to, if you were to randomly take three Canadians, if you were to get a list of every Canadian, <laughs> that'd be a lot of paper, and randomly pick three of them. Probably one of them lives within a couple hours of Toronto, which means if they're a sports fan, they probably care about the Leafs the most. So I think if it's a day where all right, there's no big story. What are you going to lead with? Well, you're probably going to lead with the Maple Leafs because you're going to retain the most audience that way. Do I think, sure, some of the other teams sometimes should get more uh, more attention? Yeah, absolutely. But that's not my editorial call. I mean, that's the, they're, they're going to do their thing and uh, I'm going to do my thing. And I, I think it's an interesting point. I think, I, I mean, I've worked in broadcasting for 21 years now. Well, I guess I'm almost at 21 years. And I, I understand that sometimes, and I've fallen into this trap myself, and I've even as, as a more experienced broadcaster, I'm not saying I, I always avoid the trap, but I think I'm better, better at it than when I was younger and working on this show with Dave Campbell. I do think there are times where somebody in the media can get locked into one area and say, okay, that's the one that attracts the largest audience, so we're always going to think about that first as opposed to thinking, okay, we know that attracts the largest audience, but as someone in the media, it's my job to tell great stories and expose the audience to things they might not otherwise have access to. And is that actually more interesting than just beating the the same drum with the same teams and the same athletes over and over? I think, I I think we try to do that on this show. I'm not saying we're, we're perfect. Um, in terms of what you see from, from the national, I mean, if you're a national sports network in Canada, then really you have to cover the NHL primarily. If if you're a national sports network or publication in Canada, then you have to cover the national hockey league, certainly primarily. So if you're going to TSN or Sportsnet for highlights, I would think that's what you want to see, unless it's Super Bowl day or World Series or something like that. I, I'm probably taking you too far down a path. Maybe you're not interested, but these are the types of things I, th- I think about given given the work that I do. But uh, anyway, yeah, and Al just text in, they are supposed to be national networks. I, I, I get it, Al. I get it. But if there's no if there's no obvious national story, then you're probably going to break the tie by going with the Leafs. And here's, here's another thing everybody has to remember too. The, the only baseball team in the country and the only basketball team in the country is out of Toronto. So if you're, (laughs) I mean, how many of you cheer for the Blue Jays? How many of you cheer for the Raptors, right? You don't want 
uh, Seattle Mariners highlights because they're, they're close to Edmonton. You probably want Blue Jays highlights. Anyway, I could talk about that all day long. I'm not saying I'm right or anybody is wrong, but I, I do want to tell you how I look at it. We'll take a quick timeout. Dominic Cahoon's coming up in the next half hour of the show. Oh, my goodness. That sounds like rock and roll music. Cody Jansen is back at the 630 Chet Broadcasting Compound tonight. This Kellen Kennedy has the night off to organize his sock drawer. Cody, was that Guns N' Roses? You bet it was. From Appetite for Destruction, 1987. My second favorite album that came out in 1987. Uh, now, are you familiar with the band? Because I'm, go- I'm guessing, Cody, and you and I have rarely seen each other in person because of the pandemic, uh, but I'm guessing you were not born yet in 1987. Yeah, that's a correct assumption, Reed. So, so had you heard of the band Guns N' Roses before you started occasionally working on Inside Sports? Yes, I have. Okay. <laughs> not going to elaborate on it. I, I don't know for sure. I, I had to check. I had a very, uh, and Dominic Cahoon's coming up here in a couple minutes. Uh, Edmonton Oilers forward's going to join us on the show. I had a very, I, I, I've made no secret of the fact, obviously, I like Def Leppard for better or for worse. They are my favorite band. I had a very interesting experience with someone who is like what one of my one of my best friends, like no doubt about that. And uh, uh, we used to we used to work together at the station. Now we can't be in the same building, but um, so for some reason, I was watching the uh, video. Now, this friend of mine knew that I was a huge Def Leppard fan. Like, understood that was my favorite band, and that's who I was into. So I was at my desk and I was watching the video for pour some sugar on me. I actually might've been showing it to someone else who I was trying to indoctrinate. (laughs) That's that's what I call it. I get people to listen to Def Leppard. It's indoctrination, everybody. So, and this, uh, this friend of mine walked by and was like, Oh, that is such a good song. And she's like, I, she's like, I didn't know you would be into that read. And I was like, what do you mean you didn't know I would be into that? This is Def Leppard. And she was like, oh, really? I didn't know that. So my favorite band is old enough that younger people might know the songs that get played a lot, but don't realize uh, that they are Def Leppard songs. I so feel like I fit in that category. You, you would fit in that category. You think that maybe I could play some, uh, some Def Leppard music for you and you would know the song, but you wouldn't know for sure that it was Def Leppard. Oh, yeah, that's 100%. But you're learning some of these songs because we play many of them coming back from break now. Just because of you, Reed. Well, you should go and get yourself a tape of Def Leppard's Hysteria. Start listening to it on your free time. You could write me a tape report like I'll instead th- of a book report. I'll think about it. Oh, if I assign it, you won't think about it. You'll do it. <laughs> I guess so. All right. Hey, you, uh, you're a goalie, right? Yes, sir. Well, so what do you what do you think of Smith's play? Is, is he going to uh, keep it up? What do you see in his game here? Oh, he's been playing great. I think he's really, you know, kind of had some of that time to rest, which I think is huge for him. But he, he's always kind of been one of those goaltenders who, and you hate to say he's a 940 or an 840 goaltender, but he does have consistency issues. He's getting up there in age. But I mean, hey, he's really taken the reins, kind of settled them down, made some big saves for him. And I wouldn't go as far to say he's stolen games, but he's definitely the reason that they're winning on quite a few nights now. Now, would you say, because this has always been my observation, um, but, it, you know, it's my observation. And, you know, Rob Brown, who played in the NHL, 
you know, he's always said that you know he feels like technically he doesn't know as much about goaltending because he was always trying to score on them and as opposed to actually playing the position. Um, but would you say Smith's style is he the only goaltender currently in the NHL who plays the style he does? You know, sort of deep in the net, very busy, a lot of movement, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's a hard style to emulate, which I also think is kind of, he uses it to his benefit against some of these young shooters who have never seen a goaltender like that before they're coming in. And I mean, you know, there's not too many guys in the American League and major juniors in college that do play like that. So it is a little unconventional. And you kind of see it in a guy like Cal Peterson in LA too is the opposite, but he's overly Uh aggressive and shooters just don't know how to react to it. Okay, interesting. I, I think it's going to be Smith tomorrow. He was in the home team goal at practice today. You'll sometimes see members of the media say, oh, this goalie is in the starter's net. What we mean is that goaltender was in the the net the home team defends in the first and third periods, which usually means he's going to start the next game. Wouldn't surprise me if they go back with Smith tomorrow. Rangers up 2-1 on the Bruins late in the second period. Late in the first, it's already 3-0 for Minnesota on top of the Los Angeles Kings. Joel Erickson Eck has his seventh of the season. And uh, later on tonight, the Avalanche play the Coyotes. Oil Kings at seven against Lethbridge. Raptors leading Houston 60-50 with two minutes left in the first half. I am pleased to welcome to Inside Sports a forward with your Edmonton Oilers, Dominic Cahoon. Dominic, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm very good. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's nice to have you on the show. Thanks for taking the time to join us. And man, oh man, I want to I want to ask you about the Olympic experience you were going through three years ago with Germany. But before we go into that, I mean, uh, hey, what a run here for the Edmonton Oilers! At one point, you guys were three and six, and now you're fourteen and eight. Uh, can you put your finger on a couple things that have allowed you guys to to take off here? Um, I would say it's just like how we believe in ourselves, you know, uh, we know, we know that we have a very good team and uh, maybe at the start it wasn't clicking enough or maybe like we, we just didn't get the bounces we needed. But I think right now we found, we found ourselves and uh, we just play hard, play together. And I think it's showing right now, but uh, we have to stay focused and um, we have big games uh, coming up now. So we have to be ready for those and uh, try to keep this, uh, the streak going couple of big goals for you in the comeback win over Vancouver on Tuesday. Uh, how did it feel to be such a big part of the comeback that night? Yeah, it felt great. Um, obviously, like uh, I had some chances uh, in the games before and they didn't win in. So uh, it always feels good when you can score and contribute too. But uh, I mean, it was even more fun uh, to just uh, see like after in the, after the game, you know, when we when we came back. Um, after the three one down, um, just just how happy everyone was in the locker room, and uh, I think that's the special special part about uh, sports when you when you see the guys uh, like celebrate and being happy, and also that's always a great feeling. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and for you, uh, you know, you, you've had some scoring chances in other games where maybe the puck didn't go in for you, and that's sometimes the the life of a of a forward in in hockey. But what do you do when you know to keep your confidence up, where maybe you feel you're playing well, but the pucks just aren't going in? Um, I would just just try to keep going all the time. Um, it's always good to have chances. You know, if uh, if you play games and nothing happens, you have no chances, then something is wrong. So as, as long as you have chances, uh, it's it's a good sign. And uh, if they don't go in, I uh, just try to keep uh, working hard and uh, try to stick to my game. And I know someday they're going to come in. 
Yeah. For you, what's the adjustment like to to living in Edmonton? And obviously it's a very strange time with COVID. You, you can't maybe get out and uh, experience life and being an oiler as uh, as you might be able to uh, in, in the future. But, you know, how has the, the life change been coming to a new city and a new team? I know it's uh, it's obviously a tough time right now. Um, like you said, with, with COVID, um, you don't see much, um, especially when you come to a new city. But yeah, um, all I see is like the hockey, the hotel, you know. And uh, but the guys, the guys are awesome. Um, they they gave me a very warm welcome. Uh, it wasn't too hard for me. Obviously, I already know Leon pretty well, so that helped a lot too. But now that the team is uh, super, uh, I love the teammates, and it's very much fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's good to see the team is doing well. Just a quick look ahead. Uh, I mean, you guys have shot up in the standings and now you're playing the Leafs. It's it's always special when it's uh, an Edmonton-Toronto matchup and you still have a few more coming up. But uh, how excited are you for this three-game series and what do you expect? I'm very excited. Obviously, it's uh, right now probably the best game in the, in the division. And it's always fun to play against Toronto because uh, when, when such... Two good teams play each other. I think always the, the hockey is even more fun and it goes up and down. Uh, it's also nice for the fans, you know. So we're very excited, but uh, also we know how, how focused we have to be to, to win those games. Okay. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Olympics, about about hockey in Germany and, and maybe your path there as well. Uh, I, I know uh, you were born in the in the Czech Republic, but basically grew up in Germany and, and played on several German national teams. When you were a kid, was, was hockey your first love or what other sports did you play? Yeah, so when I was born in Czech, obviously I can check hockey is number one sport, so... You know, I stepped on the ice when I was uh, very young, so it was. I definitely had fun there. So I could, or my parents tell me they, they felt that I have so much fun. I, I just want to play hockey. But uh, growing up, I also played soccer. I think until I was um, thirteen, I think I played like both. You know, like I always played for a soccer team in the summer. But uh, at the age of thirteen, uh, I had to decide, so I stick with hockey. All right. Well, and then you made a pretty big decision too as a teenager to to move to Sudbury. That that couldn't have been an easy decision at the time. Yeah, definitely. Um, I got drafted in the in the European draft there, and um, yeah, obviously it was a big step. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't easy to, to leave home, but it was my dream, you know, to to one day go over. And um, my biggest goal was to get drafted. Um, which at the end didn't work out, but uh, I mean, it was still a great experience and I had a great uh, billet family there, had great teammates. So I definitely will remember the time. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, like, like I said, you, you played on several, several German national teams. We're not going to go through all of those. I think we got to focus on the Olympics here because it's, uh, it's three years ago this week, basically that uh, you guys were on, on your way to a, a silver medal. Um, I mean, first of all, I guess that tournament, I was looking back on it, didn't start off uh, overly great for you guys. I think you only had one win in the, in the three uh, preliminary games. Yeah, we, so we lost to, to Finland, we lost to Sweden and then we, we beat Norway in the, in the shootout. So yeah, I've been, uh, I did this so, so many times already with the Olympics, but I always say the same, you know, like, 
we lost the first couple of games, but uh, I think the second game against Sweden was probably the best game we've ever played in my national team career. Um, we lost one nothing, but uh, we dominated them. We just uh, couldn't score. And after that game, we felt uh, we have something special there and uh, that we can achieve something special there. So we had a great feeling after this game. And uh, then after that game, it all started. We beat Norway and then uh, we just kept going. What were the expectations for your team going into the tournament? It was obviously different because the NHL players weren't there. Did that change the way maybe you guys felt going into it? Yeah, obviously it was a little different with no NHL players. But um, to be honest, like um, when you think about it, it's even like without NHL players like Sweden, Finland, Canada, USA, those teams... Uh, we just have to be honest, you know, they're, they're just better hockey countries. So we knew we were still an underdog in this tournament. But like I said, well, we knew there's something special. But um, yeah, when first when we arrived, you know, it just, I guess, it was for other players too. But for myself, especially, like, I was just so happy to be part of uh, the Olympics. You know, I was just, I tried to enjoy everything. And then, like I said, when we start playing well, um, we felt maybe there is a big chance. And um, yeah, we used that. Well, and, and I remember watching, you know, some of your games and, and we were often asking uh, Leon about the games during the Oilers season that year. <laughs> but man, oh man, Dominic, like you go to overtime against uh, the Swiss, you go to overtime against the Swedes. It's a close game against Canada. I mean, I, just these incredibly tense down to the wire games, it seemed day after day for you guys. Yeah, it was, um, again, uh, I just always say special, you know, because uh, we had uh, such a great, um, I don't know how you say in English, like the team was sticking together, you know, you, we just believed in each other. And uh, we also had always the, the good luck uh, at, at our time at, uh, at the best point we needed it, you know, like when we didn't play as good as we were supposed and our goalie played unbelievable or like some posts helped us or they hit the crossbar, you know, like, Always at the perfect point, we we got the luck and uh, and we scored also big goals at the perfect time. So yeah, it's uh, it felt like it just has to be like that, you know. And yeah, unfortunately well, we didn't make it in the finals. It was like one minute to go, but we still will remember that for our, for the rest of our lives. Yeah, well, I, and I, I remember watching that final game, and it was just uh, just insane because Russia went ahead, or I guess the Olympic athletes from Russia, they were the team was officially called. You scored to tie the game 2-2 and then yeah. you guys went ahead and then Russia scored again uh, in the final minute but uh and your name is all I should tell people your name's all over the score sheet and in, in all these games what, what what were those final 10 minutes like of the gold medal game even before you went into overtime like how crazy was that going back and forth <laughs> yeah, it was very crazy um before the game already we were like you know we were probably the happiest guys before the game already because we knew like we have a medal um Nobody would ever uh, say that, that we can have a chance to win a medal at the Olympics. So we went into the game as winners already, you know, and we said like, yeah, Russia is probably the best team in the tournament, but you never know. So first period, they just dominated us. So we didn't really have much there, but then we kept going. And like you said, we we tied it up. Uh, we went 3-2 uh, in front, I think, 10 minutes ago. And I think also two minutes or two and a half minutes to go, we they took a penalty. So... We had like the power play, you know, in the last couple of minutes and we were like, Jesus, like we couldn't believe it that we probably should win the game. And yeah, then uh, unfortunately, a couple of mistakes happened there. And uh, yeah, that's that's how they tied it up.
Yeah. So, I mean, I, I hope I'm not taking you back to a, to, to a really you know, miserable place here, but I, I just wonder what it was like, you know, that moment Russia scores and, and you get your silver medal and you kind of have those last few moments together as a team um, in the dressing room. Does it still feel like a positive memory, even though you didn't get, get the gold? Oh, uh, it's for sure positive. Uh, I think I remember like most of the guys were um, sad or like crying for like uh, five minutes. But after that, we were again, uh, we were probably as more probably same happy like Russia was winning the gold, you know, because we just knew we we still accomplished uh, such a big thing now. We, uh, nobody knows if Germany will ever do that again, you know. So, but yeah, definitely at the moment it was tough. But after that, we we came together. We were talking. The coach talked to us, and yeah, we just realized how special it was. And uh, after that, we we had a party together, and so yeah, it was such a great time. Yeah. What was it? Uh, you went back to Germany after that, I, I believe. Was it? What was it like when you when you got back? Did did you and the other hockey players get a lot of attention for a while? Yeah, it was it was great. You know, uh, you could see that uh, something changed a little bit in, in German hockey. Unfortunately, after maybe like a month, uh, it went back down again. But that's the that's the that's the parts like where where we want to make German hockey bigger. And it's that's these moments. But unfortunately, it didn't hold long to it. So yeah, we I think we have a good future in German hockey with those players coming up. But uh, yeah, we all try now. Like you can see Leon and. Guys like that, we try to make German hockey bigger, but um, yeah, we still have to keep trying. Okay, and when, uh, just to go back to you as a kid again, did, did who was your favorite athlete? Was it a, was it a hockey player, or who did you look up to? So yeah, when I was really really young, I guess because I was born in Czech, it was Jager, you know, because he was like the hero in the Czech, uh, especially hockey. And now uh, when I got a little bit older, like or even right now, like. My idol is like a Lionel Messi, you know, soccer player. Um, so he's just my, I, I look, I look up to him, to be honest. Like I watch his games, you know, I, I just, uh, yeah, he's just amazing. And so he's probably my sports idol. Okay, cool. Well, uh, definitely a lot of people looking up to you and the Oilers right now. It's a fun run. This is going to be great coming up against the Maple Leafs. Dominic, thanks for sharing some memories and letting fans know a little bit about your journey to the NHL and to Edmonton. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. That is Dominic Cahoon of your Edmonton Oilers. Some thoughts on how the team is playing lately and looking back to three years ago when he won silver at the Olympics playing for Germany. Oilers and Leafs tomorrow, 3.30 face-off show game at 5 here on 6.30. Ched, will the Leafs have one of their top guns in the lineup? More on that when we get back. Well, Connor McDavid is up to 40 points in 22 games to lead the National Hockey League. The leading goal scorer is Austin Matthews of the Maple Leafs. He's really on an incredible run, 20 games. He already has 18 goals. However, day-to-day, day-to-day coming to uh, coming into tomorrow's game. So we'll see uh, if he's going to be able to go against the Oilers. He did not practice today. Sheldon Keefe, the coach of the Leafs, on Matthews playing through a nagging wrist injury. Well, I think it just speaks to, you know, the fact that he's just remained resilient and hasn't allowed little things like that to to disrupt him obviously you know the injury situations you, know, you missed the game uh, once already and 
bounced right back and and uh, had a tremendous run. Even the other night, got banged up. Uh, got banged up there. I think I guess it was the second period, and and while he had to adapt his game, and I had to adapt how we used him a little bit, he still he still com- competed his ass off uh, right to the very end, and, and in fact, uh, you know, makes a great play to just to give Willie the space to make the play that he made ultimately on the overtime winning goal. So that's a, that's a good sign for both the fact that, you know, we feel like, you know, the, the injury uh, isn't something that's going to slow him down too much here. Um, but also just the fact that he just competes and finds ways to, to adapt and overcome things that he's able to. All right, so that's a storyline for tomorrow. Will Austin Matthews be able to play? Uh, really good games this year so far between the Oilers and Toronto. They played that one game in Toronto where it was uh, too defensive for most people. <laughs> and Dave Tippett said, what do you want? You say neither team can play defense, and then they do it, and now everybody's mad. But that game a few Saturdays ago, that that overtime game uh, that uh, McDavid won in an overtime, that was an awesome game. A lot of skill on display. Both goaltenders made huge saves, and then McDavid won it in overtime. Can also tell you, here's a report coming up from Alex Stone. New information on the Tiger Woods car crash. Now, three days after Tiger Woods crashed the SUV he was driving, L.A. County Sheriff Alex Villanueva saying during an interview that Woods does not remember the accident. Villanueva saying at the hospital, Woods was asked by investigators what happened and he had no recollection. On Thursday, Woods was transferred from Harbor UCLA Medical Center to Cedars-Sinai for orthopedic care and recovery. Alex Stone, ABC News, Los Angeles. Yeah, we had an extensive interview the other night with Grant Fedorik from Leading Edge Physiotherapy about Woods's injury and the uh, recovery process, which is going to be a very, very difficult one. Could be weeks before Woods is able to uh, even put weight on that right leg after the surgeries and the broken bones. All right. You can chime in at 780-496-0063. That is the number to both call and text. Oh, Vic, I'm sorry I did not see your question. Uh do Dominic and Drysettle communicate with each other in German while they're playing in the game? Well, maybe sometimes. Maybe sometimes. David says, I want to thank Cahoon for the 50 points on my Tim's Hockey Tuesday night. All right. Good scoring there. <laughs> Glad he could come through. All right. Uh, a little more on the Oilers, of course, as we go along. And we'll catch up with Ryan King from the Double E football team when we get back. Thanks for checking out the show tonight. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.